Hello everybody, Sucre Yaro here, and you're listening to Year of Blank, Year of Stories. So this is a late episode, as has been May, and we're completely skipping by June because that would be way too much for me to get done in a short amount of time. So we're just breezing right by that month and going straight into the July book, which is Thief by Brian James. I read this a couple years ago, and... I enjoyed it, but let's hope it's not like how the Heartbreak Messenger was and a complete disappointment and problematic as fuck. So, like always, let's just read the back of the book first. She can't be caught, but she can be trapped. Elizabeth is a pickpocket and thief living on the edge in New York City. She and her foster sister, Alexi, are living with Sandra, a cruel woman who takes in foster children and then forces them to steal things for her. Even though she's sick of it, Elizabeth doesn't really question her life, until Sandra takes in a third foster child, this time a boy. Dune is a completely lost soul, and Elizabeth doesn't want him to share her fate. Sandra is not going to let either of them go, but Elizabeth knows she has a way- she has to find a way out. With brutal honesty and striking lyricism, Brian James has created a character you'll never forget, trapped in a situation that's frighteningly real. So before we get started, I figure let's do a little talky thing like I do sometimes. Most of the time. Before just jumping right in. I made up for May today. That is an absurdly long episode. Twelve hours. Can you believe that? I made a twelve hour episode. My books keep like just going back. I have them all nice and at the edge, and then next time I turn around, they're backed into little corners. That's sort of sad. Are the books scared? I don't know. I haven't the foggiest. <clears throat> I'm currently in a Discord call. Jinxie's on there. They're watching Dead End Paranormal Park, which I binged in one night and then fiercely recommended because it was that good in my opinion. So, Jinxie's now watching that. They're on the first episode. If you haven't seen Dead End Paranormal Park yet, fucking watch it, dude. It's a great show. It's got some casual representation with Barney. And it's got some fruit, as it should. has some fruit in there. Basically, the plot line is, like, uh, these two teens get a job at a park that is, like, Full of paranormal secrets and shit, I guess I, I guess you could say. I really like this so- show, so I'm trying my best not to give spoilers and shit. It's based off a comic, like a graphic novel. I think there's two graphic novels that were made. But, um... Sorry. I'm just flipping through to where I'm gonna start reading in the book. So that I can talk and then just flip to this bookmarked little place in there when I need to start reading. Uh, What else can I say? If you actually listened to the 12-hour episode, then you would know. This is being recorded in the same day that I finished recording that episode. So some things are going to, like, intertwine. Well, not intertwine, but there's going to be some, like, similar stuff that I'll be talking about. I had my dog in with me earlier. He was on my lap. Well, no... 
in the 12-hour episode, you wouldn't have heard about the dog, because he was there after I finished recording and was working on uploading. He was on my lap and being a little sad boy. Uh, what else can I say? Well, also in the 12-hour episode, I was also in a Discord call with Jinxie and Ratata, and I complained about, about the white boy that we are calling Richard. So... If you listen to the 12 hour, you know about Richard, Richard the fucking dick. We don't like Richard. Oh, I don't know if Jinxie knows who Ri- Jinxie, since you're in there on mute, Jinxie's on mute, so. So, since I'm talking about Richard, Richard, I just gave the white boy a, like, alternative name so I don't, like, have people going after him. Though that wouldn't happen, but, you know. Um. Man, I have so many books. I have so many books. I just noticed this. I have so many books. Hang on, can I count my books real quick? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, 61, 62, 63. I have 63 books, and that's only in my bedroom. There is more in the basement. Um. Anyway. So that was a good five minutes talking about random shit. So, I guess I'll just start reading now. Segways are sucky. For all the friends who have become my family, I've heard of pious men and I've heard of dirty friends, and you don't often hear of us, ones in between. Spencer Krug. An Invisible Invasion. Seems like someone's always watching me, around every corner on every city block, through every crack in the sidewalk, watching me in the dark and under the covers. Always. The eyes are empty eyes, the same as the eyes behind the mask tattooed on my wrist, blank but watchful. I pass by them like flashes of color on a movie screen. They watch me like I'm something beautiful, but they never watched long enough. They turn their back on me too soon, so they never see my hand slipping into their pockets. I feel their wallets on my fingertips. I make myself into something too cute for them to ever think I'd steal. Slip away from them like a tiny dream, nothing they can remember. I get away with it every time. Get away through the crowd, between the people pushed so close together on the subway train, sliding through them like a ghost changing shapes, changing sizes, finding the smallest space to slip through. Brushing against strangers' coats, against their arms, the knees of the ones who sit in the seats, careful never to trip over their feet, making my way to the door and out at the next stop. Listen for the computer voice through the speaker. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Obey the warning and I'm on my way, weaving in and out along the platform and up the stairs, the beat of my heart like the roll of the train, fast and getting faster as I pull away. Coming out of the ground is like making my way back from a grave I never intended to stay in, the flutter of being free. 
Dizzy lights of taxi cabs and limousines on the street, streaks along the avenue like trails from superheroes, leaving messages and fire as they fly. If I look up at the skyscrapers, I'll fall down. There are too many and they're too far away to take in. Part of me floats up that high, part of me dancing the way the electricity dances in the windows above the street. I am a tiny ballerina made of light. That's the part of me nobody sees. The rest of me walks like nothing happened on another nothing day. I have to keep my eyes open for trouble. I have to move carefully. I have to stay invisible. Cops on every corner lean against walls. Cops on every street driving in their squad cars. My ears know the sound of their sirens. I'm trained to run when they call. There's a clean getaway around every corner as long as I know the way. Cops can never catch me because the guy I stole the wallet from is a million blocks away by the time he knows. I'm already a part of the background, a nameless face in an opposite part of the city. He's seen a hundred other people in a hundred other places by then. I always make sure to look innocent. Everyone is innocent as long as they get away. The way I walk is innocent, sweet with my arms behind my back, my eyes watching my feet except for a peek up now and then. I keep silent and savor as soft from my lips. La 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 la. I'm so sorry. Oh, my phone just glitched. Oh boy. La 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 la. Like the freaking audio, that's what I thought of immediately. Every now and then. Cute enough to kill, that's what Alexi calls it. She pets me behind the ear and waits for me to smile for her, tracing the shape of my mask tattoo with her fingers until I can feel the eyes glow, letting me touch the one she has that is exactly the same, on the same wrist, done with the same pen held under the same lighter. The mark of a thief. A black mask over empty eyes. It's supposed to give us protection, keep us safe from witnesses. It gives us warning and it gives us more than that. It gives us family. Ink in our veins like blood we can share. When we touch them wrist to wrist, it makes us sisters. Sisters and thieves. They don't mark the chapters with, like, chapter one, chapter two. It's just, like, blank page. More blank page. Words! So I'm not gonna be saying chapter one, chapter two, because that's bullshit. So I'll just give, like, pause. And then I start again. And you're like, oh, guess it's a new chapter. There's a cigarette in her hand, bending slowly to and from her lips as she sits on the steps of the porch. Her face lights up as she breathes in, goes dark again when she breathes out, smoke quickly lost in the shadows off to the side, fading like the rumble of the train on the platform above our heads. I can see her bones showing through her skin, the shape of her cheeks, at her elbows and knees. Even from this far away, I can tell she's fading into nothing. She told me once that she wanted to be so skinny that she would rot from view. I told her then that she'd almost made it. Alive again when she takes another breath, the dim light from the window behind her like a halo hiding her face. I worry that maybe today will be the one when she actually makes it all the way to becoming invisible. My smile always brings her back. You're late, she says, when I make myself known, turning my hips side to side with the song I sing in my head. Watching the color come back in her face is like watching the first drops of rain roll over the window. I lost track of time, I say. Our words don't mean as much as the way our eyes follow each other. We each make a move to brush our hair away, mine the color of midnight, hers more like the white center of the sun. How did you make out? She asks, stepping the cigarette out on the last word. The last spiral of smoke disappears as I reach into my pocket. My hands are filled with the folded bills from discarded wallets, wallets left to die in trash cans coming from the subway platform. 
I can feel the money's color the way I can feel the green from the stem of a plant between my fingers. Not too bad, I guess, I say, not knowing the exact amount. It's, not the, it's never worth counting since I don't keep it. I only care that's enough to keep Sandra from bitching. I keep a little for myself, since this time there's plenty. Enough to buy something to eat, maybe. But first I have to make sure Sandra gets the rest. The social worker's here. Dropped by just now, Alexi says. They come once a month, or at least they're supposed to. It's more like every other month, or less sometimes. It's nothing really. A few questions, a quick look around to make sure it's clean, checklist of food in the kitchen, and those kinds of things. Their names never matter. Each of them act exactly the same, only with different faces. I see the shadows in the front room that stretch from the kitchen, shadows that move their heads in conversation. I can't hear what they're saying. I can only hear the shouting from next door, the words of the kids gathered under the building security lights across the street, the roar of cars speeding through the traffic lights, dogs barking in the tiny caged yards behind each row home. Alexi glances back to the house and tosses the cigarette filters to the side. Then she waves the smoke from her last breath to keep anyone from seeing. Better get in there, and better keep that away for now, she tells me, motioning my hand back into my pocket with a nod of her head. I'll have to keep the cash hidden until the social worker leaves, until I have told my lies and said please and thank you the way they like me to. I'll smile like the picture inside my case folder, then they can shuffle all their papers in order and get and put me away safe in a neat stack before they go. No big trick to it. I've been in the system long enough, more than a year, and it's as simple as breathing now. It's not much different than stealing. I act cute and get away with anything. They keep us all like butterflies, runaways, orphans, any kid without a parent. Scoop us up off the streets as we flutter trying to get away, sweeping us into a net, placing us in glass cases in all parts of the city, only to pull us out and take a look every once in a while and make sure we're in the same place they left us. I've been in this same place, with Sandra, for close to a year. Alexei's been here almost three. She taught me all the ways around everything. They're sitting at the kitchen table when I go in. Sandra's eyes pass to me in the hallway for a moment, then, pa then pass back to the social worker across from her. I can only see the woman's leg, the worn sole of her red shoes, the run in her stocking like a wound. Sandra's eyes are like the puddles that collect on the bottom of the subway tracks, a green shine like polished ink, the surface so bright that nothing underneath shows. Here's the folder if you just want to take a look, the woman's voice says. Then there's the sound of paper sliding across the plastic tabletop. It's just that I'm desperate to find a good home to place him in, a place like yours where it's stable. There's a meanness in the way Sandra snaps up the papers, only to toss them back down again. What do I want with him? We are three girls in this house. Her accent thicker when she's annoyed. She tells us it's more of a Russian feeling to be angry, says it brings her back to those places and brings, out, brings it out in her voice. I knew, I know all about the new kid, the one Sandra put in for a few weeks ago. More income, she said, meaning another thief and another raise on the check from the city. Alexi turns 18 this summer, and then she'll get to leave. Sandra needs to break in a new thief by then, one who's closer to my age. If he's 15, she'll get three good years out of him. He's a sweet kid, the social worker says. No boys. Boys make terrible thieves. That's what Sandra's always telling us. She says too many people watch them and no quick smile will make them look away. Nobody falls in love with them just by seeing the way they walk. That's what gives me and Alexi an edge. 
I stay in the hallway, letting myself blend in with the wallpaper, taking on the pattern until I am a part of the scenery. It's temporary, only until another place comes available. It's a trap and I can't help but smile, putting my hand up to cover my mouth to keep a laugh from getting off my tongue. Sandra's going to get stuck with this boy. There's no way around it. It's him or nothing. That's the way it works. Serves her right. But the way she's always screwing everybody else over, it's about time someone put one over for, on her. Her glance comes up from fixing the strap on her blouse. She looks straight at me and her eyes narrow. Her forehead wrinkles as she watches me laugh without the sound. She gestures for me to come in. Then she says, come here for a minute. A sharp look sweeps across her face, telling me to make mine blank. She presents me like she's showing off a new dress. This is Elizabeth, she tells the social worker, announcing my name like she owns it. Fine with me. Nobody calls me Elizabeth anyway. Everybody just calls me kid. It fits me better. Hi, I say, biting my lip to look shy. The woman shifts through the folders, shuffles the one with my name on it to the top, and looks up at me, making sure the photograph matches me, making sure I'm smiling enough to look healthy. She's been here before, but they never remember. My life is written in a stack of papers under her folded hands, a list of places that I've stayed, names of family members, judges and courthouses, dates and things like that. Those are the parts about me that don't really exist, nothing about who I really am, but they're the only parts they ever care about. She asked me a few of the simple questions, ones I only have to nod to and say yeah a few times. Then it's back to him, the boy whose picture sits between them on the table. It's like the photo of every other kid I met when I used to live on the streets. It's the face of a ghost trying to get back to wherever he was before he was born. Look, the woman says, her voice stronger now. She leans across the table to make Sandra pay attention. You want to take in another kid, and he's the one you're going to have to take. She knows the game, too. She knows the request Sandra filed is only a request for more money. A deep breath and a nod of the head is all the answer, San is all the answer she needs. She pushes the chair away from the table and gathers up the folders to put them back in her briefcase. I'll bring him by tomorrow evening, she says. The tone of her voice is back to the way it's used to being. Polite, complimenting, saying nice things again about how encouraging it is that the kids who come to live with Sandra actually stay. Alexi walks in as the woman walks out. Then there's the quick spark of a lighter as Sandra breathes in, at the breathes in the flames, breathes out like a dragon. That bitch. The syllables slither along the end of, the, of her cigarette. She snaps her finger. Wait. She snaps her fingers and my hand reaches into my pocket. The money is folded every which way when, when I set it down. Both of Sandra's hands fall on it like a bird catching prey. She flips through the cash for the highest bills, trying to forget the battle she just lost. We're getting a brother? Alexi teases. Both of us laugh as curses come like a wind, like a war storm in another language from Sandra's mouth. The lid end of her cigarette dangles from her lips. Ashes fall with each growl she makes. Run away from, run away home. Okay, so I think I was wrong about the chapter thing. I forgot that it was weirdly formatted. Like, the chapters have name names. And the chapters, when it's a new chapter, the chapter name gets a whole page. And it's just in bold right there. So, my bad. Anyway... The sun stays shy, hiding behind the clouds all day like a little kid hiding behind his mother. 
I don't mind, though. Something about the city when it's gray seems to fit, matching the color of the buildings. The color of the trees this close to winter makes everything feel as safe as being under a blanket. Strangers' faces go dim on days like this. Mine lights up. My feet follow the cobblestones to the river, past the lonely high-rises like glass towers touching the bottom of the sky. At this time of day, all of them are empty like the cars parked along the sidewalk. Sometimes it feels like every street leads to the same place, to the same park where I end up so many times. The benches along the ledge face the river, looking at queens across the way, empty factories littered among new apartment buildings. If I could see through them and out onto the island, I'd see Sandra's house miles away where the city begins to die and the rest of the world begins. My bench is empty. Looks the same as the other ones to the left and to the right. Same length, same distance from the water, same chipped green paint, same everything except that it's mine. I made this bench my bed once upon a time for two weeks. It knows me when I sit down and let the, and let the sound of the river flow through me. I'm wild in my heart like a wolf. That's what Sandra says. It's an old legend where she comes from. Girls born like me are children of the wolf. Born with skin the color of snow, hair the color of midnight, eyes as wild as the animals of, in the forest. Born thieves. The water calms you like it calms all the animals, she tells me. Only she's wrong about that. There's nothing calm about me when I'm near the river. It feels alive inside me. My mother used to let me throw wishes into the river and scribble them on tiny pieces of paper and cry as I watched them float away. She'd put her head near my ear, whisper soft to me softly tell me how the seagulls would keep my wishes from drowning carry them off to the end of the world one day all the wishes would come back to me on shooting stars i wonder where all those scraps of paper ended up maybe they're on their way back to me maybe they're at the bottom of the sea of the river like all the other trash Either way, I like to sit here and wait, just watching rust-colored water rush between the little islands. I feel the excitement in me, beating faster as the wind picks up. This was my last home on the street, the last of so many things, of so many that I can't keep track of them all. Sometimes I pass buildings that I used to stay in. I don't even recognize them with their new paint around new windows, new walls, and people actually actually living in them. Real people paying real rent. Before, it was nobody but homeless kids and rats. It's all different now. The city, I mean. It's different from three years ago, when I ran for the first time. It's cleaner and bigger, spreading out and pushing kids like me farther from it. I was almost dead when they caught me. That's how it always is. They let you waste away in the hidden corners. Wait until you're too weak to run. Pick up your bones like picking up tossed-out furniture. Carry you off and set you down somewhere in the middle of their foster care system. I was lying on this bench when they came for me. I didn't see them, didn't see anything except the small waves on the water, letting everything else fade, letting the river take me away to wherever I was supposed to go next. I was ready to be a ghost. I remember them like images from a dream, shadows on the other side of the world I was drifting to. The noise they made broke through the throat through like cigarette burns and paper. The crackle of the radio on his belt, the tap of his wrist against his gun. Dispatch, we need an ambulance at this location, he said, and I could feel the words as strongly as his hand under my chin, then nothing for what felt like the longest time. Two foster homes and twelve court appearances later, I ended up in Sandra's care. I've been there almost a year, but it never feels like home. Here is always home, free and on the run. Every new part of my life seems to start here by the river. It must mean something new is starting now. If the clouds brought me back, if the streets all led here like I was following the only path through the maze of the city. 
I closed my eyes and changed my song to something more like the river. Sadder, but with something to hope for. Then I put my face against the wood. The smooth feel of paint is as soft as the feel of Alexei's hand. Whatever comes next must be good, because inside me the sun is shining brighter. Butterfly wings are beginning to show through, and the river is whispering to me, saying wishes are still being turned into stars all the way at the end of the world. And I guess if that's true, I can be patient a little longer. My breath turns to ice as I walk home through the rain, a little cloud escaping my lips and becoming part of the night. Warm light comes from the front room as I... as I round the block to Sandra's house. It's the second house from the corner, same as all the others, side by side all down the avenue, identical houses sharing walls and ceilings, and broken up only by intersections. Each hides the same secrets, I bet. I see Alexi leaning against the door with a cigarette between her fingers. Her body is long like a branch. She's thin and sharp at every ankle. She pulls her hair into a bun- into a bunch behind her neck when she sees me. She says hello by blinking her eyes. I catch the start of a smile that goes away before it ever shows. Is he here yet? I ask. They dropped him off about an hour ago. He hasn't said a word since. I lean to the side to peek in the window. Has she said anything? Other than bitch, Alexi says, giving a tiny shake of her head. Nothing. I tell her I'm going to go in, and she tells me to do whatever I want by smiling long enough for it to show this time. I know where he is without anyone telling me. Sandra had us clear out our, clear out our stuff from the room off the hallway last night, and then had us throw a sleeping bla- bag on the floor for him. I know he's in there before I even get to the door, because that's the only place he'd feel safe. The only place he'd feel shut away from the rest of us. Everything inside me feels funny. That first day of kindergarten feeling, like my legs are falling asleep but wanting to run as fast as they can at the same time. I feel like I'm the new one in the house, even though it doesn't make any sense to feel that way. The door is open, but I don't show myself yet. I stay just out of sight. I think Alexi is annoyed at me, that I care at all about meeting him. Last night, she told me, it's no big thing, kid. They come and they go all the time. But I've never had one move in. I've always been the one to show up. The new gift from the stork, dressed like a sh- dressed like a social worker. My voice jumps out of me when I see him flash by the space between the door and the wall. He hears me and his face appears in the doorway. It's nothing like the photograph lost in the shuffle of papers on the kitchen table. There's life in his eyes. Hey. His voice is a low whisper, like the cough of a dog. I can still feel the rain on my lips when I smile, the last drops trickling down the side of my face as I wipe them away with a tiny wave, hoping he thinks the redness in my eyes is from the wind. Hi, I say, brushing, pushing my tongue to the roof of my mouth, bringing my eyes down to keep from watching him step back into the room. His hand catches on the door to drag it open, an invitation to follow him as he sits down on the floor. Most of him is lost in his clothes. The shape of his legs is hidden in jeans that are too big. The outline of his ribcage is lost somewhere in the worn-out gray of his shirt. I'm Dune, he says. I can tell he's careful not to look too long at me as he folds his legs under him. I think it's cute the way he starts to play with the corner of the sleeping bag. He feels the same need to do something with his hands as I do. I'm Elizabeth, I say. My voice gets stronger the closer I get to him. But everyone just calls me kid kid, huh? He says it more to himself than to me, getting his ears used to the sound. Yeah. I move over in front of the light so that he blinks when he looks up at me. Looks like we should be friends. I point to the floor where it looks like my shadow is sitting in his lap. 
My shadow seems to think you're okay anyway. I shrug my shoulders to make it sound unimportant, even though my breath is coming and going as fast as my heart under my skin. That sounds all right by me, he says. I don't mean to. Don't try to. But it happens anyway. I smile wide enough to show him my front teeth that are bigger than the rest. My bunny teeth. That's what Alexi calls them. I always try to hide them even though she says they're adorable. I wouldn't ever let him see if it wasn't there in his eyes. The spark of a shooting star deep under the surface like a ship still burning on the bottom of the sea. I can tell he tries to hide it as much as I try to hide my smile. But he's no good at it or maybe I'm just too good at seeing things in people. Sandra shouts my name from the kitchen, making it sound like a curse making it sound like a curse word. Guess I better go, I say softly. There's no need to look over my shoulder. I can feel his eyes following me as I leave the room. My eyes stay wide open as I lie in bed that night, watching the headlights crawl across the ceiling as I pass on the street outside, some faster and some slower, streaks that streaks that dance like lightning in our room. <sighs> I've never been able to sleep very well. Even as a baby, my mom, even as a baby, my mom said I never slept. I always slept. She said it was because it never gets dark enough for sleep in the city. It never gets quiet enough either. There's always the hum of the traffic, the noise of machines, and the noise of the sidewalk. It all spirals around me, swirling like so much space around the sun, leaving me in the center of it all, like being spun up inside a spider's web, only not as soft, but the same sort of tightening feeling. I can feel Alexi breathing, the slow rise and fall of her belly against my arm. It's too fast for her to be asleep. Alexi. I whisper so we can be lost if she wants it to be. I'm ready to cover my mouth with my hands to keep from saying anything else when she makes a sound like the beginning of a word, letting me know it's okay to talk. What do you think happened, you know, to get him away from his home? I'm, I'm asking the ceiling as much as her, asking the stars that are invisible through the house and above the cover of light that hangs over the city. I trace an imaginary line to connect them, trying to connect my thoughts, trying to figure out how he was sent to me sent to me, if he's a wish come true or just another runaway. Jesus, kid, Alexi sighs, then lets out a breath and rolls over on her side to face away from me. You're both like stray dogs, just can't keep yourself from sniffing out each other. Go wake him up if you want to know so much about him. I should have known it was a mistake. I should have known I'd brought him up too many times already. I slip the rest of me back beneath the sheets, my knees like a perfect fit against the back of her knees, my arms like a sleeve over hers until our wrists meet, until her tattoo eyes, until her tattoo eyes touch and she can forgive me. Still love me? I tease. She smiles before pushing me away, but gentle, playing. Nothing mean about the way she does it. Yeah, right. She says it like she doesn't mean it, but means it even more in the way she tries to hide it. She's always telling me I'm the I'm the only one who's ever let her burn as bright as she wants. Back when she lived in Kentucky, all they ever did was try to throw dirt over her over her to put out the flames. She says she can't wait to be famous and have everybody look everybody see her the same way she looks reflected in my eyes. She always promises to take care of me once it comes true. I place my hand on her neck, let her hand rest on my head. Somehow the way our skin feels against each other each other helps us dream. It helps us forget. I wonder if it's the same with June. 
I wonder if he's like us, if where he comes from is something he's trying to never remember. I wonder if his eyes are open now in the near dark, if his face is turned up to the ceiling like mine to watch the dance of headlights, pushing away any memory of the past before it has a chance to grow. How long do you think he'll stay? I ask. Until he gets caught, Alexei says. Two weeks, maybe. She's probably right. He seems too soft somehow to ever be a good thief. I say goodnight by letting my cheek brush up against her shoulder. Then I close my eyes and try to disappear until morning. No, no education. Like, no is in knowledge, and then no is in nothing. Education. Kid, your boyfriend wants to know when you're going to school. Alexi teases the next morning when I come into the den. I don't under- I don't understand what she means. The sleep is still in my eyes. She's lying across the sofa, her toes rubbing together for warmth. Dune is dressed the same as last night, same jeans that hide the skeleton shape of his legs, same shirt the color of a snowstorm coming toward the city, same brown eyes that show through the longer strands of his brown hair. School? My my tongue moves around the word like I'm saying a like I'm saying a word in a foreign language for the first time and wondering if the way I pronounce it is funny to everyone who's listening to me. Yeah, you know, he says. That place with kids and desks everywhere. Pencils, books, and teachers' dirty looks. Alexi laughs once, then brings her attention back to the cartoons that flash across the television, the television screen with amazing colors you never see in real life. I walk over and see him watching, watching my knees as they move in and out of sight from the bottom of the long shirt I wear at night, watching me as I sit on the floor between the two of them. They told me he, I'd have to switch from George Washington Carver, he says, gesturing with his hand to where Brooklyn sits a dozen subway stops away. That's fine with me, though. I hated that place. I glance over at him. I can tell by how his expression is far away that he's not just talking about the school. He's talking about the group home, too. The night the social worker was here, Sandra said something about how he got beat up there a few times, which was why the social worker was so set on getting Sandra to take him in. So where, so where do you guys go? He asks. I saw a public school a few blocks away when they brought me here. Is that it? I didn't get a good look, look but it seemed okay. Right? He's asking all his questions faster because we stay silent. Alexi keeps her eyes on the television and I keep my eyes on his. I can't believe nobody told him. Don't you know? I ask, hugging my legs. His head shakes side to side. Know what? He says. We're homeschooled, I tell him, saying the last part with my hands waving on either side of my head like quotation marks. Where do you think Sandra went? She's there at the school right now to sign you out. Oh, I thought she went to work or something. Alexi and I both laugh. The idea of Sandra working is as likely as the idea that the city could get turned into a desert overnight. She's never worked at anything except stealing, and she doesn't even work at that anymore. She has us to do the work instead. That's our school. The pieces of paper in the social worker's folder say she works at a car service, pushing buttons and answering phones. But those are just papers. Fakes like the report cards and lesson plans that are supposed to be taught at our kitchen table. They're all easy to get. Her uncle or cousin or somebody else with the same accent as her can get can get them as easy as buying something on at the deli. A whole network of fake stores with fake workers getting fake jobs. She says it's how the old county will take over ours. Nobody checks. There's no real reason. There's no reason for anybody to check as long as the papers look real. 
So, um, when do we start? Dune asks after the minutes have ticked away and the cartoon is over. Do we have books or anything like that? Alexi takes a sip of the coffee sitting on the table in front of her head, lifting her head up enough only to swallow, making a face at him as she rolls her eyes. I flash a look at her. It's not his fault he doesn't know anything. She doesn't care, though. She told Sandra she wouldn't have anything to do with him. She said she trained enough pickpockets in this house and wouldn't even think about getting this suit about another this soon to getting out. Besides, she said, this one here is my best student. She can do it. So it's me who says to him, we can start now if you want. I stand up quick and snatch a notebook from the side table. It's about the same size as a wallet and I make sure to show it to him before I reach behind me, slip the notebook under my shirt and into the waistband, waistband of my underwear and put my hands back at my sides. I'll close my eyes, I tell him. Try to take it without letting me know. Alexi mumbles about me not wasting any time, teasing about dogs sniffing each other in an alley and that she'll need a hose soon by the look on Dune's face. He sits stiff as I get ready to close my eyes, get ready to feel him try not to touch me, but he doesn't even move to get up. He doesn't understand any of what we've said. He will, though. He'll learn. I explain it to him, what we do. He either doesn't get it or just doesn't believe it. I explain it again. Alexi can't stand to listen again. She gives me a look, the one that says she told she told me he wasn't all that smart. Then she leaves the room. Although I don't think he really understands it yet, he says he'll try. He does try. He's just not any good at it. I feel him every time. His hand is clumsy below my spine. He pulls away too quick. You're too heavy when you move, I tell him. You have to be like air. I glide my arm in front of him like the wing of a seagull. I show him how softly it moves. He takes a step closer to me. His hand covers his mouth because he's nervous about bringing his face close enough to kiss me while his hand sneaks around the side of- Hang on, hang on, hang on. Sneaks around the side of my hip, down along my back like an imaginary friend. Perfect. Just like I've been teaching him all morning and all afternoon. Perfect up to the crucial part, the part where I feel his fingers move like tiny claws to grip the wallet in my back pocket. Fuck! He shouts when I flinch at his touch. It sends chills through my ribcage. This is stupid. I can't do this. I put my hand on his elbow. Hey, don't worry about it, I tell him. I tell him we've only just started. It's only the first day. There's something about being close to him that makes the eyes on my wrists feel like fire. I feel each heartbeat sending blood through the veins that run beneath it. I never care about anyone for too long, For too long, it seems. Not, a not after I'm used to them. Only Dune feels different somehow. He doesn't feel new. What if you get caught? He asks. I mean, how does this whole thing work? You don't get caught, I say. This is rule number one. You get caught and you're on your own. Bye-bye foster home and hello juvie. I'm not smiling now because this is the most serious thing he's got to know. Sandra isn't going to bail him out if he's busted. She's never going to put herself in the middle of it and risk getting caught and sent back to Russia. There, she says, her life isn't worth the ashes that she lets fall on the kitchen table every night. Dune shakes his head and curses under his breath. You can never tell either, I say, my voice going faster as I say it. Thief's honor. A rule as old as stealing itself. I don't believe this shit, he groans. I can't really understand why he's so upset. I mean, it's better better than school. Better than them telling us all these things we'll never need to know. Better than begging on the streets, too. Having all those people looking down on you just to throw change in a cup because they want you to go away. Look, I promise him. No one's going to make you go out there until you're ready. 
Don't worry about it. He tells me that maybe he doesn't even ever want to be ready. For a moment, I see everything that he tries to hide. A quick flash behind his eyes. How long have you been away? From your home, I mean. I don't know. Six months, maybe? I knew it couldn't have been long. He hasn't learned the secret of being on your own yet. Hasn't learned to wear beauty like an armor that covers you from head to toe. Protects you the way superheroes protect themselves with sheep with shields and capes and things. Nothing can get in to hurt you once you learn that. Nothing will worry you too much either. That's what I have to teach him. Then he'll be able to move through crowded subways like a ghost. I start to teach him by brushing the hair away from his eyes with the back of my hand, the same way Alexi taught me, teaching him by placing my mouth so close to his cheek that he can feel my breath, so I can feel his tiny hairs that tickle my lips, but not close enough for it to be a kiss. He has to figure it out before I do. This sucks, he whispers. It's not so bad, I say. You'll see. It seems unfair, but it's better than most anywhere else. How's that? He sniffs up a laugh as he says it. A laugh that is closer to a cry than it is to being anything near happiness. It sounds like a prison. She controls everything you do. Who? Sandra? I laugh to myself as I say it. Dune wants to know what the hell is so funny because it sure seems that way to him. She doesn't control anything, I assure him. She lets us do whatever we want as long as we give her what we take. And that's nothing. It only get, takes like two hours a day for that. The rest of the time we... Okay, so she's not talking anymore. Just clarifying that. The rest of the time we are as free as being... I'm scare you, but I'm in the call too. Uh, yes, I know you're in the call. I didn't acknowledge it, but I know you're... You didn't acknowledge my presence. I know, I was reading! I was reading! Oh. Also... It's a funny story. My sister thought you were our mother. What? Because she can hear you talking. And she's young enough that she doesn't exactly know how to differentiate voices, especially over the phone. And so she could just hear you talking. And she thought that it was her mother. I sound like your mom! No! That's terrible! You really don't sound anything like her. It's just, <laughs> she's four. Okay, okay, good, good, good. I don't want to sound like your mom. That would be terrible. <laughs> Can you imagine if I sounded like your mom? Break up instantly. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Okay, pull up your pants first. <laughs> Does your sister have her pants down? Are you gonna go play in the sprinkler bar? Please <laughs> put sprinklers on and put your swimsuit in the laundry basket. <laughs> Great. This is some great little little chaos happening out of nowhere. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you know? No. You good? <laughs> Put clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. Yes, new clean clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm muting myself because I don't trust her not to say uh, things that can't be heard online. 
<laughs> that was Jinxy, everyone. Let's give it up for Jinxy. <laughs> and, like, them yelling at their little sister. Well, not yelling. You could hear them, I think. If you couldn't hear them, then, like, you just got no context cackling, and I don't care enough to try and give context. Where was I? Anyhow. <laughs> Children. Children. Quality entertainment. Who needs a TV when you have a child? That's one of my greatest sentences. And I hope you appreciate that. I'm gonna put it in context quotes. <laughs> Yay! I've made it to the no context quotes once again! What money did you make? What? Okay, so I paused the recording because there was a comment, like, a reply to a comment I left on a video. And I'm not... It's just, it was a dumb reply. I'm just gonna get back to reading because Jinxie ain't in the call anymore. Their dad showed up. They had to go. So, <clears throat> like I said, she's no longer speaking. The rest of the time we are as free as being on the streets, free to live in a daydream, wandering through the city like characters passing through the pages of a book. We are able to climb up to the stars and down to the bottom of the ocean every hour if we want. Nobody telling you anything you have to do. Nobody to say anything about you is wrong. Nobody trying to change you into what they want you to be. All you have to do is believe, I tell him. The life of a thief is the most beautiful way to live. If you say so, he mumbles. He's not really convinced. Not yet, anyway. It takes time to adjust. Well, at least you'll learn a skill. I slap my hand against his knee and try to change the mood back to playing. Good thieves never want for anything as long as they live, I say. These are the same words Alexi said to me. I stand up with my arms at my side. Try again. I tell him, this time without caring about getting it right or wrong. I'm ready to practice for hours, so later when Sandra asks me how he's doing, I can tell her at least that he's getting better. Part of the scenery. Oh, hey, Jinxie's back in the call. Let's go. Ah, fuck! My bookmark! Ah! They put, they said I have returned, but they mistyped have, and it says hate. <laughs> I hate returned. That's. <laughs> Great job. Great job, babe. <laughs> half? What does this just say half? Like, fancy people. Double typoed. <clears throat> anyway. Oh, wait, they're typing again. I don't want to. Okay. They do be typing. They apparently say half a lot. Since when are you a fancy person? Like. 
they're typing. Who they typing? I just don't want there to be silence, so I'm making commentary. <laughs> Alright, so what they just said is that their dad is back outside, so when the sister is also outside, they're gonna go off mute again. So you could hear them again. Gonna I rolled over something crunchy. Oh, it was paper. Oh, it's just paper. Oh, that scared the shit out of me. I was like, what? I was prepared to die. Dead ass. <laughs> anyway, for this recording, I just have to read. I just have to read like five. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say five, but then it was like, if I go for five, then it'll be like. No, I could do five more pages, yeah. Well, a little over five. And then the next recording I'll do. <clears throat> I'm not sure he's ready. The way he paces back and forth a few yards away. I told Sandra that... What? I told... <laughs> I immediately lost my place. I confused myself instantly. I told Sandra that, but, he... but she wants him out as soon as she can get him out. Wants him caught just as quick. It's only been four days. Not enough time. A group of girls lingers around, waiting for someone to seek them out. I stand there disguised as one of them, listen as their voices are taken away with the wind, my hair caught in it too. I stand perfectly still, my hands in my pockets, nothing that will make anybody suspect me of anything, or even of being with him. I fit in so naturally at the edge. We're in front of the st of this store that sells what's outside more than what's on the shelves. It's so... Hang on, hang on, hang on. I forgot to get ready to flip a paint. It sells the look of... What? <laughs> I keep abusing myself. It sells the... It... Can I talk? For frig's sake. It sells the look of all of us gathered out front. Sells the young and pretty kids of the streets and the chance for the rich to get close to us. I wonder if Dune gets what I've been trying to tell him the, past, the last few days. I hope seeing me stand with all these girls make it clear how good we've got it. I whistle like a songbird in the wind while I wait and get a dirty look from the girl standing next to me. Her hair was, has dyed pink curls. She wears a pink outfit like a second skin to show how much she's worth. I hate being here. hate remembering how people I used to know when I lived on the street had to do the same thing. How they thought it better to sell their beauty instead of begging for change. I'd walk off any other time, but it's the best place for doing to practice because anyone we rob here won't dare report it to the cops if we get caught. It's an easy setup, too. Letting him be a decoy. It'll keep him from getting caught. It'll keep Sandra from sending him away. I shouldn't care so much, but he's so scared. He told me so yesterday. He was almost in tears talking about getting sent to, sent to juvenile hall. His hands shook even after he shoved them under his legs to hide them. I promised him that his life wouldn't get screwed up just because of Sandra, and I promised myself that I won't let him down the way so many other people who've made promises to me have let me down. A man in a dark suit walks closer. It's the walk of a target, and I know Dune sees it too. It's time. Dune steps away from the wall, right into the path of the old, of the man in the dark suit. 
I only taught this strategy to him yesterday, but it never fails. Alexi, Alexi taught it to me way, way back, made me the decoy the first few times out. I made the perfect one, cute and young and easy to yell at. I only had to go into a store with dirty feet and dirty hair, bump into customers and knock things down, watch the guys behind the counter build, build up fire in their lungs until they yelled, chasing me away with their words as Alexi grabbed whatever her fingers had time to touch. It's like slow motion where the, when their legs get tangled, feet tripping each other and their hands go up. The man waves around to, ca to catch his balance and puts his hands out in front of him to stop his fall. First test passed successfully. What the fuck's the matter with you? The man shouts. His mouth twisted in an angry snarl. The girls near me all stand up straight and fall around them. Fuck you! What's the matter with you? Dune shouts. I can hear the nervousness in his- Damn. Loud as heck, dog. You better wish that didn't pick up on my mic. It wouldn't have. Did it? Okay, so I'm recording again, just letting you know, Jinxie, because Jinxie is off mute again, fully. Um, okay, they were off mute, but now they're back on mute. Um, but... I just noted the timestamp so I can double check and make sure that whatever my sister said didn't pick up. Damn. <laughs> they were off mute and then their mom walked in. And then her dad walked in. Oh shit, her dad. That's a song reference. That... Uh... Did I not mark it with the... <sighs> I'll just continue. I found where I left off pretty easily. Dune shouts. I can hear the nervousness in his voice like he's trying to remember his lines. But the guy won't know this, especially when Dune remembers how it's supposed to work and shoves the guy just a little as he's getting up. That's when everyone comes alive. The girls sing words of surprises with tongues licking their lipstick. Some shouted the man to leave Dune alone, and some shouted Dune to leave the man alone, because the man's a paying customer, and Dune's just a thing off the street of the street like them. My turn next. My turn to slide between the others, to get up behind the guy. One easy motion is all it takes. One swipe of the hand. Light as air. Jackpot. His wallet is in my pocket before he even feels me grab his arm. I yell up at his face. Leave him alone, asshole. I make my voice high and crazy. I show my teeth like a dog ready to bite. I bend down to help Dune. Come on, let's go. I say. I put my arm around his waist and use the other hand to pet his face like a girlfriend would. It's what my lines tell me to do. The man doesn't say a thing. He doesn't have time as we start to walk down the street. We leave him to drown in the attention of girls who love his money. Money that's leaving with me. The rise and fall of our lungs is like the stop and go of the, of the crowd at a crosswalk and fast forward. Finally, we slow down to normal speed as my heart starts stops pounding. It's the first minute we've had to catch our breath since getting away, since slipping around the corner with the speed of trap of the traffic, dipping into the subway station, hopping the turnstile as the train pulled in, stand clear of the t closing doors, please, and riding along the four stops before exiting and hopping on the next line to get downtown. I lean back against the bench and push 
the hair away from my face. Drops of icy sweat keep it in place. Know something? That wasn't so bad, Goon says. His words are more of a surprise to him than me. I told you it wouldn't be. I tilt my head to the side. I want to make him feel like he should believe everything I say when I smile and show my front teeth. I take the wallet from my coat for the first time since we ran. My fingers flip through the bills. Hundreds. Four of them. Then four more twenties and a five and three and a five and three ones. We're set, I say. Who just carries around that much cash? I have no clue. But like it's like, that's a lot of money. Uh yeah, it's five hundred five dollars. Wait, no. Eight. There were three ones. No, there were oh yeah. No, I don't. 20 times 4 is in 100, so it's 488. I said 500. Uh, all I caught was the $400 bills and then the numbers. Yeah. So I was like, wait, no, fi- not 5. So, Jinxie's back off mute, I guess? Or not? Conditionally? Conditionally? Yeah, my family was apparently really fond of going in and out. Mm. That's when you just eat the door and don't let them come back in. <laughs> I feel like that would make it easier for them to come back in. They wouldn't have a door to go through. No, eat the doorway. They would just walk in. Wait, no. Wait. Seal the doorway. Yeah, they still just walk in. Just being long. When I meant, when I said eat the door... I was, like, envisioning the wall, like, just taking the place that the door had been. It's not usually how architecture works. Yeah, I know. I gotta... Uh... Uh... Okay, I'm gonna get back to reading. We're set, I say. That was a good score. We don't have to do shit else for the rest. The rest of today. I'm saying it up to the last leaves on the trees as much as to Dune. That guy was a dick anyway, Dune says. It sort of felt good to take his money. I remember when I first ran away. How I used to beg for change with this girl Gretchen who took, who sort of took care of me the way I'm taking care of Dune. I remember how she used to give the guys in suits dirty looks as they walked away after dropping a quarter or dollar or whatever in her hand. She told me how good it felt to take money away from them because they didn't care at all about us. They cared only enough to give what they didn't need. Stealing is the same sort of thing, I guess. The only difference is that the guys I take money from don't even care, care enough to give that much. Gretchen never saw it like that. She'd get real mad if I ever stole anything. She said being a thief gave them reasons not to care. I used to believe her, too. But I know but I know now that she was wrong about that, because they look at me like I'm total trash no matter what. So she was wrong to even care what they think at all, because it doesn't matter how they see me. doesn't matter what I show them on the outside. As long as I keep shining inside, they'll, they'll all see me someday. See me the way I really am. Caring about what they think is like being kept in a cage. I'd rather fly free. I see it in Dune, too. Still something small. Something that stays in the shade behind his eyes. But it's coming out. Waking up to being alive. Waking up from whatever crap he'd been told by all the people and things he ran from. We'll start today. Start right now. I grab his hand and say, come on. Pulling him 
pulling him up from the bench and into the wind so that his hair stands up straight. The rest of the day is ours, I sing. I sing it out to the ocean, to the sky, to the people walking by who stop and give us looks because we are going to be everything they are not. No rules, no responsibilities, the way we are all supposed to be. I spread my arms like wings as I run through the park, wondering if my feet will have to touch the ground forever or if I'll get picked up and, and carried off like a wish thrown into the river. And when I look back over my shoulder, I smile. Smile not so much at the feeling, but at the fact that Zune is feeling the same thing. His hands gliding the same way. I'm smiling because he never asks where we're going. I'm smiling because he believes in me so completely. Look at that! It's an episode that isn't absurdly long! An hour! Wow! I never thought I'd do it again. That's like your starting point. That's the starting point. We had like, hang on, about an hour with the first book, then hours most of the time aside from when I got behind with the second book. Same with the third, aside from when I got behind again. And then with the fourth, that's when they started getting longer because I was more determined to be on top of time. And then it got out of hand again with the infinite future <laughs> and me just not doing it for a month. So now we have a 12-hour episode of that, which is unholy. Very unholy. And Jinxie doesn't even have to listen to the episode on their platforms anymore, because they were here for it. Most of it. <laughs> Most of it. You missed, like, a little blurb, but it ain't that bad. You know... It's like a little blurb. You you have most of the context. You can you can survive. Um So, I have another recording to do cuz I have to do the official one for today. So, I suck at closing these out. It's been like I would say 6 months, but it hasn't because I missed a month. Well, two months. So it's been like four months, I'll say. It's been like four months of me doing outros for this. And the I never... I don't have an official one. They're just always terrible. <laughs> it's just always awkward. And me trying to find a way to cut it off. <laughs> I need to figure out an outro. I can't go I can't go for the entire time of having this podcast without having an outro. Honestly. I need to figure one out. I mean I go say bye besties, but you know. Well, yeah, but you can't just immediately go buy besties. You have to like have a little mini thing, you know? But, I'm like, do you? To me, yes. Like it's awkward to just spend an hour. And have people listening to your voice for an hour. And when you're cutting it out, you're just like, well, bye. That's, like, so weak. <laughs> like, That's what I would do. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe the autism. I don't care for <laughs> fanciful greeting. Or, uh, 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 the opposite of greetings. My brain is not working. Um, Departures? Sure. Yeah, it's departures, I think. Or farewell statements. Um, so, I have, I have, so, I have, like, 
it's just awkward for me to get there, you know, to get to it. Because I have, like, a vague idea of it, but then it changes every time. <laughs> so, with that mini ramble out the way, thank you for listening. This is when it gets awkward, because now it's like I'm talking to a screen. I'm talking to the random gray-haired speaker man that is on this website. <laughs> Because then there's, like, nothing for me to look at. I'm just looking at the screen and saying this mini goodbye. And it's so awkward to me. Thank you for listening. Can't wait to vibe with you next time. Bye!